I'm seeing crazy stuff. I think these drawings could be clues from my past. There's so much you don't know. And I was too scared to tell you the truth. Our family has been keeping secrets. They suppressed our memories. But I can still feel something following us. There's only one way to find out. That's a small bit from the newest chapter in the Insidious franchise, Insidious the Red Door. In the Red Door, Josh Lambert heads east to drop his son Dalton off at school. However, Dalton's college dream soon becomes a living nightmare when the repressed demons of his past suddenly return to haunt them both. Uh, So if you've been following the Insidious franchise like me, then you've probably felt the series has had diminishing returns that's gone on. Uh, with the Red Door, uh, it looks like they want to kind of get the franchise back on tracks again uh, by bringing back the uh, the Lambert family, you know, to the center stage after having kind of just done like not really spinoffs, but gone off on their own with um, with Specs and Tucker and uh, uh, Lin Shay's character. I always forget her name because like she's just so Lin Shay in the movie that I always just say, "Yeah, that character's Lin Shay. Like that's her name. That's that's who she is. Like she fully embodies that character." Um, but yeah, th- that series kind of like went off on like, you know, side stories, backstories, origin stories and all that kind of stuff. And so now they, they've kind of finally said like, oh, well, let's, let's take it back to its roots. And as uh, someone who loved the chemistry of, uh, Patrick Wilson, who plays, you know, the father, Josh and, uh, Rose Bryan, who plays, uh, Renee, the, the mother of the family, I thought that was a great idea. Instead, the movie immediately ruins that by revealing that Josh and Renee have been divorced for a few years. Um, not a major spoiler, like literally it's like start of the movie. At first I, I really hated this choice and you know, I thought it was like, wow, like why would you rob us of like these two people being together and the relationship they had? And like, it kind of felt like a little mean spirited, I suppose, um, for them to be broken up like that. Um, but by the end, I, I felt like the movie had given some pretty good reasons for this to happen and really justified it and made it make sense but so that means instead of dealing with the family unit uh like we did in the previous uh insidious films uh the red door primarily focuses on the relationship between uh josh and his son dalton who's played by uh, ty simpkins uh who of course you know have both had their own traumatic experiences with spirits and the further and all that so there's plenty there to to kind of explore um, I, I think horror is one of the few genres where it's kind of exciting and refreshing to see male characters take the spotlight. You know, it's not, that's something you don't really get to say in other genres. Um, especially in cases where you have male characters playing victims or survivors of trauma, uh, because that's not a, a light we often see men in when it comes to entertainment. You know, we don't get to see men dealing with those kind of issues. Um, I thought it was an excellent choice here because uh, one of the themes the movie touches on is mental health. In the movie, Josh is clearly struggling mentally and his son even, you know, asked him like, Hey, have you, have you thought about going to therapy about, you know, whatever's going on in your head? And instead Josh just kind of says, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to push through it and, and, uh, work on it on my own, which I feel is generally the response most he- uh, men have when it comes to mental health. That's one of those scary realities we have where um, men are often trained and told to just get over it or ignore it and put it behind you and not deal with it. And, you know, you know we see, unfortunately we see it get 
unleashed in uh, very horrific ways where you have these dudes who never dealt with the issues they had and then they just take it out on people around them. Um, you know, and so I think exploring that is a worthy cause, uh, definitely. And, you know, even the need, uh, well, so like this new film kind of even like looks back at the first two films and asks like if their method for dealing with the trauma was the right thing to do. Uh, if you'll remember in the first and second film, Josh and Dalton both ultimately get, uh, hypnotized to forget the stuff that happened to them, you know, to forget the spirits, to forget the further, to kind of just forget all the, the craziness that went on, um, to kind of help them have like some semblance of a, a normal life, you know, to give them a chance at being healthier people and to kind of close those gates off from uh, the spirit world. So they don't constantly get attacked by spirits and all that. Um, but this film kind of suggests that maybe it would have actually been healthier or better for them to just have confronted what had happened and dealt with it and lived with it instead of just, you know, burying it and leaving it in the past. Uh, this, they also even touch on Josh's father, who was, uh, largely remained a mystery in the series and explore the concept of mental issues being carried down from father to son to, you know, grandson and so on. Uh, which is actually something that kind of hit close home to me, you know, close, uh, close home to me for uh, various reasons, you know, um, I don't want to get too deep into my own family psychology on a insidious review, but you know, my dad had his own issues and that's often been a thought in my brain is like, okay, my dad had these issues. Would those issues befall me? Do I have a chance of escaping that? And that is touched on in this movie in a, in a way that like really, really hit home. Um, yeah, I, it like it impacted me in a way like I, I didn't expect for uh, an insidious movie to do. Unfortunately, while this thread of mental health is one that the movie plays with, it doesn't fully actually go deep on the subject. And instead, it's more than just like lightly touches on it. Uh, so I, I feel like I've probably given more thought to this subject right now in this discussion than the movie actually did on its own. Um, so the fact that they could have really hit on something profound and important, like this mental health topic for men, um, is kind of super dis- disappointing, you know, that they had this chance to, to really have an honest discussion about this and they kind of just really more just skirted around the issue and only like suggested that it, you know, said, Oh, you know, this is a thing, but then they don't really do much with it. That would actually warrant, a a, a valuable, exploration of the issue you know and also while the story focuses on uh josh and dalton it focuses on them separately and while i thoroughly enjoyed you know seeing patrick wilson do his thing like i always enjoy watching him act or just seeing him on the screen you know it's just always pleasant Uh, i can't say the same for uh ty simpkins and his sidekick uh played by um sinclair daniel uh the sidekick's name was um named chris chris named sinclair daniel Chris played by Sinclair Daniel, sorry. Um, and they start off as like roommates in the movie and hilarity ensues because, oh, it's a girl. Ooh, you know, you can't have a girl roommate. That's crazy. You know, that kind of thing. Um, unfortunately, I thought their dialogue and scenes together really came off as kind of cringy rather than funny or wholesome like they might have been going for. Uh, they really pushed for Chris to be the, the comedic relief, relief of the movie 
and it just felt more annoying than anything else sadly you know nothing against the actress you know i'm sure if she had better material it would have been funnier but just what they gave her was just really kind of a lame duck as far as scares go uh this movie is a haunted house ride in the best way possible it definitely falls into a pattern of using similar scares over and over again you know like same setup same like you know like there's a fuzzy figure in the background. Oh, it's getting closer. Oh, it disappeared. That kind of thing. Uh, but I thought they were really effective jump scares. You know, even though it's the same pattern, it still kind of like really did a good job of lulling you into like, okay, here it comes. Um, nothing in this movie as is as effective as the best scares in the first two movies. I mean, you know, we all remember the scene where Patrick Wilson is talking to his mom and uh, Rose Bryan. And, you know, they're going back and forth talking about it. And the mom is like telling the story about, um, when she walked into Patrick Wilson's room as a child and she saw the demon in there and as she's talking to him, like suddenly like the face of the demon is right behind Patrick Wilson's head. Uh, that scene is like super iconic, you know, like one of the best scares in the entire franchise and nothing in this movie, uh, comes close to, to topping that. Um, but still, uh, you know, if you just want the thrill of, you know, jumping in your seat, I think it, this movie does a great job of accomplishing that. Like I said, haunted house ride total, just kind of like moving from one scare to one scare going, woo, jump scare, woo, jump scare. And you know, either, either you're into that or you're not, you know, if that's not effective for you, if it's something you actively hate, then you're not going to enjoy this movie. Uh, for me personally, that I kind of like gave into it and was like, okay, I just went along with it and, and enjoyed myself and enjoyed the, the ride. Um, you know, I, I think it did have a couple like really effective, good ones. Uh, for example, I thought there was one, um, great jump scare that involved an MRI machine, but I, I'm not going to spoil it. I'll, you know, if you want to see it, you'll see it. All right. This film was, um, directed by Patrick Wilson, who was, uh, making his directorial debut. And for what it's worth, the film's direction was well done. Um, you can tell Patrick has kind of picked up a few horror tricks from James Wan, and you know try to like work it into the film and make it his own um i i definitely like to see him take a crack at another horror film but hopefully something with a, a much stronger script than what insidious uh the red door had to offer probably one of the best things to come out of this movie though is the song stay by ghost and featuring some vocals from patrick wilson I've been listening to it on repeat since I, I saw the movie the other day and it's easily one of my favorite songs, um, of recent like memory, <laughs> uh, look it up. It's a cover song, uh, but it's still really good. It's, uh, it's not spoilery or anything like that. You can just go Google, you know, stay insidious movie. It's, it's a song that plays over the end credits. So it doesn't, you know, have anything major to it. Um, the story of, of how, the song came to be is pretty good though. Uh, because apparently Patrick Wilson loves the Dokken song, uh, dream warriors that plays in a nightmare on Elm street three, the dream warriors. Um, and he wanted a song like that for his movie. You know, he wanted something cool like that for his movie. And then he thought like, you know, how many directors get to sing in a song that's featured on their own movie. And he like noted, this is all from an interview with, um, I think bloody disgusting. But he noted that, like, you know, John Carpenter got to sing a song for Big Trouble in Little China. And so he was like, you know, that's really awesome. I want to, I want that, you know, I want to be able to say I did that too. And so he just kind of really pushed for it and, and just did it on his own and, and got it done for the movie. So I thought that was pretty rad, you know, pretty rad thing to do. 
Uh, unfortunately, I can't rate an entire movie based on my song, uh, my love for one song. And while I feel the movie has major shortcomings with the story and characters, I still appreciated what was going on here and enjoyed seeing, you know, a return to the Lambert family. Uh, I definitely thought this was a step above uh, the last Insidious film, um, but, you know, still really falls short of uh, the heights that the first two reached. Um, ultimately, I'm going to give it a, uh, a three out of five. I say check it out, but if you would rather, if you feel like you've been kind of burnt out on the Insidious franchise or don't feel like, you know, the shortcomings here are enough for you to stay away from it, I totally understand. Uh, I would say, you know, maybe wait wait for a rental. It'll probably be on HBO Max in a couple months or so, you know. Um, but, uh, but hey, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. So, all right. There you go, you guys. Hope you enjoyed that review. I will see you back here next time with another review, hopefully much sooner than the last time. <laughs> you guys have a good one, and I, I will see you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs>